This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. A lot of our market research work here at Emerge is with large financial services companies, so insurance and banking firms. And when we're looking for low-hanging fruit projects, as many companies are trying to figure out what are our initial use cases, it could be high ROI. Sometimes high ROI comes in the form of what seem like very mundane applications, like document search and discovery, or like analyzing and finding legal contracts. And as it turns out, some of these tasks are a natural fit for natural language processing, and there's a lot of value in understanding how NLP can be applied to some of these back-office white-collar tasks that are awfully inefficient today, but could be awfully more efficient tomorrow. Today, we speak with Gilad Turban, who's the Senior Director of Product at Conga. Conga was recently acquired by Aptis for a deal worth over $700 million. Uh, Aptis then took the name of Conga, so this is one large company. This is a firm that's awfully well known for document generation and reporting, and artificial intelligence, not surprisingly, is part of that mix. As our use case episode this week, we focus on the before and the after. I really like doing this format sometimes, and I've gotten feedback from those of you who are listeners that you like this format as well, where we talk about how is the process of, in this case, analyzing legal documents done today, and how is it done after artificial intelligence has been implemented? What parts of the process are augmented or informed or made better by artificial intelligence? And Glad does a great job of making those distinctions clear. So I hope that this use case will be valuable for all of you thinking about productively applying natural language processing. If you haven't already downloaded our free PDF brief called Unlocking the Value of Natural Language Processing, you can find that free on emerge.com at emerj.com slash NLP1. It's natural language processing one. So emerj.com slash NLP1. Again, it's called Unlocking the Value of NLP. That'll give you a couple more use cases and also key terms to go a little bit deeper after we go into this episode. Without further ado, this is Gilad with Conga here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Gilad, uh, I know we're going to be diving into all things contracts today and contract analysis is a sort of rote and sometimes laborious task where AI can potentially find a fit. I want to first just describe what it involves today. Let's say there's no AI at all. Why is this a problem? Where is it relevant in business? Can you kind of tee it up for us? Yeah, for sure. So if you think about contracts today, a lot of contracts are what's called third-party contracts. Somebody sends over a contract to your company and somebody needs to review it. Now, had it been your own contract, great. You already know the language as the lawyer that works on it because either you came up with it or somebody in your department did. But a third-party contract, you're not necessarily familiar with the language and you want to see if there's any risk involved, if the terms are correct and make sense to you, and where are the problematic points. And today, that process takes time. And that's where AI can come in and really help and complement the lawyer's work to make it a lot easier for people to really just get to the work they need to do as opposed to do the tedious combing through yeah. the whole document or the whole legal document. Got it. And, and you know, again, at a big enough company, you probably have, I mean, you understand because you have clients in this space. I mean, how many contracts a year is, you know, a random midsize enterprise dealing with just to give people an idea of just how big the scope is here? Yeah. It can be anything from the hundreds to the tens of thousands. Yeah, um, okay. And if you're, of course, a lawyer firm, then it's bigger. Yep. It's even bigger than that. Okay. So you probably yeah. work with them as well. So 
Lots of work, lots of assessment. And you brought up something. I just want to clarify this for the audience. Again, for us, it's it's really about the business process. It's about the business value and then where AI fits in. In terms of the business value, you know, I imagine here, Gilad, not being a lawyer myself, that you receive a volume of these contracts and you said something like you have to determine maybe what's problematic or what you might need to fix. So for me, I don't know, maybe that's some kind of a certain kinds of clauses around refunds, let's say, or certain kinds of clauses around cancellations, let's say, or certain kinds of clauses. Are, are there commonalities at all of where these linchpin moments are, these linchpin kind of points are in a contract, or is it completely bespoke company to company, industry to industry? No, so you're right. It's actually very relevant, and you can see it across industry verticals. A lot of the terms are going to be either similar or at least there are commonalities between them. Let's build it as a layering of thinking. The first layer is just doing the recognition, right? Knowing this clause is X, say an indemnification clause or termination. That's where a lot of the time Uh is being saved. The next layer on top of it is saying, okay, here's what our typical termination clause looks like versus what this customer or supplier sent me. Hmm, does it meet our terms? Is there any risk on my end? The same applies for fields. So that's what's called risk analysis on top of the classification that we do originally. That's the two basic layers. And then, of course, you can do a lot more on top of it. But the AI actually comes in mostly in the classification as the very first step. And it it is different for each type of contract, especially based on different verticals. Okay, this is why. And we're going to get into the AI in just one second here, Gilad. I know that's that's your your uh, your work, and that's certainly what the podcast is about. But I'm just teeing up the topic, so this is really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, you know, in my mind, I'm I'm sitting here imagining, okay, to tangibly help us assess risk across a gargantuan number of industries, it would either have to be certain kinds of certain kinds of clauses that are so repeatable that we can train a system on them. Or, you know, within an industry where it's bounded enough where where we can kind of bottle that up. But it sounds like actually part of the value here is just finding what is where. You know, if I'm a lawyer and I I pull open a doc, okay, where's this, where's that, where's this, where's that? Maybe every week I'm looking for a different thing that I'm hunting for. You know, maybe maybe my business environment's changing, my mandate for my legal work is changing in terms of what I'm looking out for for the company, but I'm just able to find what I need to. So classification is there. And then of course the risk analysis, which I'm sure we'll get into. So, okay. So this is, this is helpful. Of course, if somebody messes something up, they, they miss something that could be a big risk that could come back and bite the company. I take it that, you know, probably it's going to be tough to quantify wins outside of kind of an amorphous sense of reducing risk. Although one of the wins I could imagine here is a tangible result of potentially less time spent per contract. I mean, it feels like that's probably not being measured right now. So getting a before and after might be tough, but what is the needle we're trying to move when we're talking to a client and saying, hey, we're going to help you with this? Oh, so it's absolutely time. You're actually right. Being able to reduce the amount of time a lawyer spends on a contract, let's say an hour per brand new contract, depending on the length, of course, you can reduce it to about 10 minutes, which is the lawyer reviewing the results of the output of the AI as opposed to going through the whole contract by themselves. So we can absolutely tangibly measure that. Got it. Okay, cool. So yeah, and I imagine some kind of before and after there could be pretty powerful yep. for a client to understand like, all right, well, that's that's nice. We're getting better use out of our folks. Okay, so we can hop right into the AI. You know, we've got two different layers that you'd mentioned. We have the, the classification, and then we have sort of the analysis of risk. Classification feels pretty clear. It feels like, okay, you know, we've got 18 bajillion examples of 
you know, this indemnity clause or this kind of, you know, you name it, right? Whatever, whatever part of a contract. And we have an mm-hmm. AI that can create a yellow box with, you know, 98% certain it's X, 87% certain it's Y, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's how I would imagine it. The risk thing feels even more nuanced and detailed. Walk us through what it looks like for AI to layer enough value to actually save this time that we're talking about. Yeah. So let's start from that first layer. You're right. You're imagining it correctly. I think that the most important thing to understand about AI in this space and in a lot of other spaces is you have to marry AI algorithms with an actual product. It needs to manifest in a way that's useful for the end user. It's not just about the 98% confidence you can display, but rather how quickly can I as a lawyer say, actually, you misclassified it. It's not this, it's that. Or how quickly can I compare it to something else? Right. That's actually where the power of what we do today is. We've partnered with a company named Kira, which is a leader in this field to doing this classification of contracts. And we also have our own in-house solution around AI Analyze that is amazing at being able to parse fields specifically in contracts and extract the information. And we have a great UI on top of it that has the ability to let you as the lawyer, as the non-technical person, look at what the system has identified, make sure that it's either correct or change the tagging in a way that's very easy to use and understandable for you, again, a non-technical user, and then reconcile it in the actual system of record. So when somebody else goes in, they don't need to review the entire contract. The actual power, by the way, is if I go in and I later want to say I'm a salesperson, I'm not even the lawyer, and I want to say, hey, what's the expiration date of contract X? That information sits in the Salesforce record itself because our AI algorithm was able to parse that information out, doesn't matter which format it appeared in, and the lawyer reviewed it and said, go ahead and suddenly it's in Salesforce. So taking that document into the system and doing all the importing, that's where the power is. That's layer number one. Okay, cool, cool. I'm going to poke into this a little bit, and then we'll get into two if you're cool with that. Okay, just to to really, again, I think the the most useful thing for Mikilad, and and for our listeners that are already aware that this is the state of affairs for us, is giving business leaders the power to visualize where realistically AI makes a difference and also where things that aren't AI make the difference. In this case, you know, yep. being able to port some data that AI is extracted into Salesforce, well, that extraction doesn't involve AI, but making it part of a workflow that someone is already using so that they don't have to do additional work is critical for companies like yours to, to actually sell things. Obviously, you guys are big enough. You sold plenty of things, so you figured it out. But that integration piece seems really, really challenging. I'm trying to imagine where this contract data lives in general. You mentioned Salesforce as one for a salesperson. That's interesting. Part of me thought, okay, maybe folks have to hop into your system in order to find all this information that you've extracted. People can, you know, retag things, reclassify things, and it kind of lives in the platform you've created. But it sounds as though maybe the updates are made in that platform and then they're kicked out to all the other places where it could be stored or accessed or people would need info. What are those, what's that other web that it needs to expand to. You mentioned Salesforce is one. Are there more? Yeah. So Salesforce is the main one because Aptis and Conga both sit on top of Salesforce. That's where we live. Having said that, lawyers don't necessarily live in Salesforce. And the ability to live where lawyers actually live, which in this case is Microsoft Word in a lot of cases, being able to 
open an actual contract in Word and see all the tags that you've extracted before from the AI in that document, inside Word, without you needing to go anywhere else, that's another really good spot. And that's one of the things we do today. Yeah. Okay. So being able to export to Word, but with all the layered, labeled, added value exactly. of the system. Yep. It, it reminds me a lot of, you know, in, in a diagnostic application, it's like the folks that are looking for tumors uh, inside of, you know, a chest x-ray. They're sitting yep. in a big scanning pod with all these images in front of their face, and they don't want to have to go to another place to then look for the AI stuff. They just want to be able to see it on top of where they usually work. And lawyers usually work with Word, so they say, cool, show me the Word doc, but have the label on there already for me. It sounds like that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. And let me just add one more thing. The way we think about it internally is we want to meet the users where they're at, and each user is in a different spot. If I work on my desktop and I'm right in front of the computer, Salesforce might be the right place for me to go as a salesperson. If I'm on the go, I might be using Slack right, to communicate with folks. I want to have the ability, this is our other product that we said we'll talk about, yeah, yeah. Uh, Max. I want to have that ability to go into Slack and ask questions about this Salesforce record and get all the information about this contract and get all the information at the palm of my fingers. And if I'm a lawyer, I want to do it in Word. So we want to meet customers where they're at. And it's yeah. not just about the AI. It's about user experience on top of the AI. 100%. Nobody's going to grow an AI company without, honestly, the, fitting into the workflow is harder than doing AI. You can fit into the workflow with zero AI and build a multi-billion dollar company. But AI is obviously going to be unlocking a lot of new capabilities, super exciting. It's going to give it competitive advantages. But to your point, yes, very, very important. The risk side feels to me like the even more bespoke, even more tough part about what you folks are doing. To be able to compare this contract to our average indemnity clause, compare this refund policy to our average refund policy for this kind of bulk order for a retailer or whatever. How are we assessing risk? In a so categorization by itself, I could see how that could help. Risk, yep. in other words, helping us highlight where we should focus because they might be points of danger, so to speak. That feels tough too. How does that work? So risk is indeed tough. And there's no perfect answer. This is one of the areas where we're heavily investing in. We've started a couple months ago and we're heavily investing in right now. Here's how we look at it. The first layer is, as we said, to identify. Then there's a layer of comparing. Okay, I know what the standard looks like. I know which words in my dictionary are problematic words. Let's say something is perpetual, right? In the termination, seeing the word perpetual is something that's risky. So that's like the very, very first layer of, hey, highlight things that jump out at you for being problematic. Then there's a layer of getting the input from that specific company so they can fine tune the system to pick up on things that are problematic for them. So it's also another layer that we're adding, which is the ability to control or add a set of training pieces from the company's perspective so we can generate that score for you and show you why you got a high risk score or a low risk score. Huh. Now, you're showing this score to our own lawyers that are analyzing the contract or to the supplier or customer who sent us the contract or both? Right now, the aim is, first of all, for the internal people, not necessarily just the lawyer. Also, so we said, I'm the salesperson. I'm the person who's coordinating the contract with the third party. I want to have those flags jump out at me. I want to get those notifications. Hey, this one is a little problematic. Is that something you guys are willing to negotiate on? 
And contracts in general is a very collaborative space. You work with the lawyers, you work with the finance team, you work with the renewals team, you work with a lot of different teams in the company, and of course, third parties. So you want to be able to have those signals. Risk at the end of the day is about giving signals to different people in the business. It's not, hey, this is risky, you have to change it. No, it's, hey, flag. Note that this language in this case might be problematic. Take a further look into it. And again, that's where AI actually plays an important role. It's not about telling you what to do. It's about saving you the time to do the tedious work so you can focus on, hey, something was flagged for me. Ooh, should I do something about it? I'll use my brain. The system just flagged it for me so I can look. Yeah, and if, especially if you're dealing with high volumes of these contracts, you know, which one do I look at first? What section do I scan to first? I don't have all day, right? And so you want to look at the yeah. red flags and just zip through them. And, you know, if the system's doing its job, then you're going to cover more bases than you would otherwise in, the, in a shorter period of time um, and potentially Absolutely. catch things. So in terms of what AI is detecting, here's what I would imagine is going on. Individual words like perpetual inside of a clause like indemnity or something might automatically kick something off. Yep. Then there's there's even more robust things that are beyond keywords where maybe we've scanned. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm really stretching my imagination. Here here am I. So <laughs> yeah, all right. So I won't tell anybody about you, and and you don't tell anybody about me, and they'll think we're we're all lawyers here. All the listeners, they'll be convinced. Um, so, so so let's just say that uh, I've got oodles of contracts about some kind of cancellation clause for a contract. Under what terms would I cancel it? Yep. And it, it's something somewhat repetitive, like uh, you know, cancellation of uh, maybe it's some kind of hands-on consultative service, or maybe it's you know some kind of shipment that I send to certain stores every month, whatever it is. But it's, it's repeatable enough where I have a lot of instances of where that has been flagged as a bad clause. Like, oh man, that's a, like we've gotten a whole fistful of really, really rough ones that we would just never sign because they're so dangerous and, and so economically not in our favor that we pile up enough of those and then hopefully have a system that can find ones that are similar just based on the word patterns, even if it's a little black box-ish. I could imagine there being some of that, but also, Gilad, I imagine we have so many industries and so many contract types and so many specific things we'd want to look for that define those risk gauges bespoke client for client would almost be impossible because they'd need such a big corpus of data. How do we layer risk scoring across so many customers and, and make it work? That's a great question. And the answer was actually in the question, in layers. You <laughs> okay. don't do everything for everyone. Yeah. The first layer is the one you, you originally talked about, which is, okay, let me identify specific words. The second layer is giving the actual customer, so whoever buys our systems, the ability to mark specific terms that are out of the company's policy. So think of inside of the terms of the contract, our usual terms for this type of contract, let's say a master service agreement are three years and the customer is saying five, right? Being able to read that and see how it adheres to my policy as a company, that's customizable and that's the layer we give to customers. And then the third layer, which is more of the future of this is, hey, since we're a leader in this space and we understand the different verticals and in different industries, we can start applying knowledge from one set of companies to another set of companies. Yeah. That's actually the area that we're further exploring right now and seeing what you can get out of that and where can you use algorithms and where can you use rules-based things. Because our power as a company is 
we have done this for multiple customers across different industries. So you know what you need. We'll let you configure it. We know the basic stuff and we'll try to give you the best practices across industries. Yeah, yeah. And, and that transferability bit is, I think, the entire venture capital appeal of AI companies is that hypothetically, if we could get enough clients under X condition, you know, if we get enough, uh, I don't know who the heck you guys work with, but let's just say it's SaaS companies. You work with a lot of SaaS companies. I imagine you do. So if you have enough SaaS contract stuff, you know, B2B SaaS contracts, then hypothetically, you could become the only place you'd go to analyze SaaS contracts because you've analyzed so many of them and you layer so much value immediately that nobody could realistically go anywhere else because, and then that'll build a, a virtuous cycle. So it sounds like that's where you want to, that's ideally where you'd that's want to be able to get to. That's where we want to go. Yep, yep. Yes. Today, we're actually focused on those first two layers. And even there, there's a ton of value because just by being able to let a customer configure their own terms and where is it violating their own policies and showing that risk score, that's a really, really key difference between us and other companies in the market. And that makes a huge impact for folks. Yep. Big time. I can completely see how the value alone of those features would would still be able to, to drive forward kind of, again, speed, as you had mentioned, right? Speed is a lot of what we're looking yep. for. So cool. All right. Hey, that's it for Use Case One. Gilad, thank you so much for being able to join us on the podcast. For sure. So that's all for this episode on the AI and Business Podcast. This has been our Tuesday use case episode. If you like use cases around applying NLP to documents, whether that be search and discovery, analysis of legal contracts, being able to label and sort through sort of what it, what might be called dark data, so big swaths of documents and information that isn't yet labeled and isn't yet searchable, then you might want to check out our other podcast called AI in Financial Services. We've had a number of episodes on AI and financial services focused exclusively on how to apply NLP to documents. We've talked about this in insurance and banking and wealth management. So if you really want to flesh out the landscape of use cases and understand how those technologies are applied, check out the episodes on our other show. It's pretty easy to find. Just Google AI and Financial Services Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud, and you can easily sift through some of the past episodes for more similar themes like this. If you enjoy the other show, the AI and Financial Services show, I'd encourage you to subscribe. Uh, it's definitely our newer podcast. It's certainly a smaller niche audience, but we'd love to have you as a listener if you like what you're hearing here on the AI and Business Podcast. So that's a wrap. I'll catch you here for Thursday's episode.